Welcome to Lowering the Rim. We're talking about practice, practice man. Welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back to another Lowering the Rim, a podcast where we set our goals to reasonable, reasonable heights. Height. I always forget. I always want to say rational. It could be realistic heights. It could be rational. Rational heights. Um, so, uh, today we're going to talk about The Last Dance, mm. the doc, the new ESPN documentary about, uh, the Bulls 97-98 season. Let's just start off with, um, Caleb, we'll start with you. What, what were some of the things that stood out to you about the doc? Well, about the first two episodes. Yeah. Uh, we call them rivers. We don't call them docks. <laughs> um, but th- the thing that stood out to me most was um, Michael Jordan talking about wanting his dad's approval, and that actually seemed to be where his fire for becoming the best was was a a displaced quest for. His father's approval. So would you credit Jordan's uh, talent, ability, skill, and drive to the philosophy of the lost object? Oh, okay, if we're going to go to <laughs> Jacques Lacan route. No, because I think we all have that. I think mm. we're, all, we're all looking for... The lost object? Yeah, we're all looking for uh, the lost object. For those of us that don't know, can you give us a very easy to understand small definition of the lost object um no i cannot uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not uh it's uh, it's the in some abstract sense it's the void that you just uh f- feel in your person you everybody kind of feels some sort of emptiness and you think that there's something that is going to fill it um like it's becoming a famous actor or a musician or success or knowledge or religion just the things that you you look for to to make i guess make you happy mm. happy is the wrong term um but that's the fulfilled yeah um hmm. how would you explain it Oh, I wouldn't explain it. <laughs> my definition. I don't, defin- my I don't know it that well. Yeah, my definition is in is in no sense the a very good explanation, but I think it kind of explains itself. The lost object. Yeah, yeah, I think you explained it pretty ad- just fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, I think I think I think for him though it was um, he he for him it was being it was like competitiveness i think is what his lost object was it was just every game was a lost object of winning mm. uh, is what it kind of seems like needing to win the next one and then the yeah. next one and... because he talks he talks about how like he was interested in the game they were playing 
that night. It was like, yeah. I want to win this game. I don't want to win. I don't want to. I don't want to lose now so that I can win. Well, the and ring later. What I mean, which is seems like the NBA mentality now. Yeah, and to build on that, I I listened to an interview of the director, and he said the same thing that Michael Jordan very much always lives in the present moment. He doesn't think about the past or the future. He's very much stuck in the present. So that's why, like whatever, like you're saying, whatever game he was at, he needed to win that game. He mm. didn't care about the next game until mm. it's there. That see that makes sense to me. That he, and I think that's what made him the greatest was think was being he was concerned about being the greatest right now not yeah when my career's over it's like i'm gonna be great now and that just keeps adding up because he just had great moment after great moment yeah Mm. um but then there's there's that hint of sadness that tinge of sadness of um you i mean you can't achieve it I yeah, mean, and to your point about, I had the same feeling when they told that dad's story. I, I felt pretty heartbroken because it's, not me personally, but I. It sounds like a story a lot of kids can relate to, where they, they're longing for an affection. And I mean, you, you. I'm sure psychiatrists see this all the time with patients. They didn't get that affection from their parent that they desired, and now that's led to all these complications in their personality, right? Which yeah, is sort of where he started. <laughs> it's weird how it can also lead you to six championships <laughs> in the NBA. <laughs> and for others, it just <laughs> leads to just an awful life. So it's really weird how that happens. Well, yeah, the way it, it, yeah, it takes its shape, huh? Yeah, it it's pretty interesting how it took its shape. So you there. could still say it took a negative shape in Jordan, but the the results became positive hmm, because yeah. he it created it, this competitiveness in in him, competitiveness in him that was just so maniacal that it it valued winning over everything, people's feelings, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. individual regard for other individuals what have you that's all that mattered so mm. but yeah it's interesting though because he didn't he seems um in the documentary he seems like a an upstanding guy though so far like he doesn't he doesn't seem like when you hear stories about um like what Disney was like, or what Steve Jobs was like, or like uh, some of these like people who strive for greatness, they they sound like monsters a little bit, at least within the work environment. Well, I thought they portrayed some of that in Jordan. He uh, he seemed really oh, demanding of right. his teammates. You're right. They they said that he, in the in practices he was really. Yeah, and he intimidated everyone. Mm. I mean, they talk about how he intimidated the, even the referees didn't want to like get on his bad side. Oh, and, really? I missed that. Uh, uh, obviously, he's intimidating his general manager of the team. Right. I, th- I mean, I think yeah, he, okay. there is an element to, okay. of that to okay. his mm. character. Okay. And I, I want to go ahead and apologize to you. <laughs> monster. <laughs> that is a... Really harsh term to use. I didn't mean it to be so uh, 
Well, it just portrays... It paints a picture for people, I guess. Mm. Well, uh, yeah. I think it's... Too, uh, too sensationalized of a picture. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> it's um, hyperbole. Uh, and I hyperbole shouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> Keegan, the, what were some of the things that stood out to you about the two episodes? I'll give you some of my highlights. A little highlight reel. One is just... I didn't know a lot about Scotty Pippen. I know he was from Arkansas, but I'd never seen his family. Don't know anything about his family, him growing up, or any of that. And so they showed that, and that was cool to see mm. uh, Larry Bird saying to the press. Oh, I wasn't playing Michael Jordan out there. I was playing God disguised as Michael <laughs> Jordan. That was really And that's good. after he won. His team won yeah. the game and he still says yeah, that. Yeah, he knows what's up. He knew, he knew what next season was going to bring. <laughs> and uh, then also Eric B. and Rakim's I Ain't No Joke music on top of... Uh, MJ montage of him showing that he's a good team leader for the Bulls was pretty mm. cool. Uh, those were my three standout moments from the last two episodes. How about you? Uh, so I we talked about this before, but the first thing I thought because I I didn't back then I was so young that I just knew the players. And I watched the games. I didn't know about this GM and, like, ownership conflict. When I saw Jerry Krause, the first thing all I could think was, is that why they cast... What's his name? What's Newman's name? Wayne Knight. Is that why they cast Wayne Knight for Space Jam? Was that a shot at Jerry Krause? <laughs> because he he fits the same... Uh, Body template as Jerry Krause, and he's this like annoying figure to Michael Jordan throughout Space Jam, and Michael really like doesn't like. He him. wants to get away from him, but he's always around, and he keeps trying to ditch him. And I just thought that I think that was a shot at Jerry Krause. That's why they picked Wayne Knight for the because they could. I mean. That role could have been played by anybody, but they well, picked a very well. specific template of a person. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, I know we have sort of an unwritten code that we don't talk about Space Jam on this podcast, but <laughs> I just want to dive into this a little further. Interestingly, uh, in Space Jam, uh, Stan Podolak is the one that discovers that the Monstars have stolen the talents from the NBA players, and he does... He tells them. He tells uh, the Looney Tunes and Jordan about that. Yeah, he sneaks uh, into so Looney Tunes. So land. he saves. He he. In some ways, he saves the day a little bit. Hmm. That's interesting because that gives Jordan the idea to um, heighten the bet so that he can get the talent back. So two two thoughts off that. First of all, Jordan was known. To be just a voracious gambler, mm-hmm. so it's interesting they put that in Space Jam. It's like he just couldn't help himself; he just had to gamble, even in his movie. Second, you remember that uh, Stan Podolak, even though he, what you're saying, he kind of comes and helps to uh, 
remedy the the uh, story arc. He also gets punished in that game. Remember, he gets mm-hmm. breathed on fire, so he's still getting all these pot shots yeah. taken at him, mm-hmm. even at the yeah. the Looney Tunes game. So he just, which is very reminiscent of this doc where um, Jerry Krause is just getting shot after shot mm-hmm. taken at him um, during practice and and on the bus and all that. So. I think that was very intentional that they cast Wayne mm-hmm. Knight for Space Jam, um, mm-hmm. our second favorite movie of all time. Yeah. What's our first favorite movie? Space Jam 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Great. And the, <laughs> well, that was a dead pause for an ad that won't be there. Uh, <laughs> any other thoughts about the documentary that... Um, I'm excited. I wish they released it all. I would have just binge watched it. I'm mm-hmm. excited for a Rodman episode. I yeah, guess. which is next. I guess my other my other thought uh, while we're here, the fact that all these Hall of Fame people are sitting there and saying Jordan is the greatest basketball player they've ever seen. Yeah. It's just interesting that that many people can be wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you had uh, Bobby Knight, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. Ahmad um, Rashad. Man, Ahmad Rashad. When you hear his voice, it just takes you back to being an eight-year-old. It's just this incredible nostalgia to hear him talk. He's got nostalgia just imprinted on those uh, yeah, vocal yeah. cords. <laughs> He's got a great voice. I'll tell you what I did like. I liked seeing um, some old retro footage of Bob Costas on WGN. Now, we had forgotten, at least I had forgotten, we used to watch WGN all the time because we only lived about three hours from Chicago. So that was a channel we got. Um, You know, most of my memories of WGN were us falling asleep to whatever movie they had on Sunday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Be it Bloodsport or... Um, probably any sort of a Richard Gere procedural <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drama. Or Fugitive. Fugitive. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was it. way we also got to watch all the Bulls games because we were getting that Chicago station. Yeah, yeah. What, what else was on WGN? I think, wasn't it... They, they showed the stuff that ended up becoming UPN later on. Is mm. that... Um, maybe not. I, I don't, don't think know. So. different UPN entities. Different. Oh, okay. Who's, I don't know. Uh, WGN must have had like reruns of Seinfeld or something. I remember them. Yeah, that, and I remember them showing stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and mm, sort of those. Sort of a sleepy nappy haze <laughs> over yeah. G- yeah. WGN. Like you just want to take a nap. Because I remember that was that was one of the channels. It was like Channel Sixteen or it's something. It's just sort uh-huh. of these VHS quality <laughs> movies just yeah. melting into your eyeballs. What you're doing is you're waking up on a Sunday afternoon and. Mom or dad is watching The Fugitive, and you're <laughs> you're in the middle of it, and boy, you want to get up and do anything else, but you are so tired <laughs> that you were just stuck Serena on the paralysis. Floor. Yeah, and you hope that you're hoping that on their uh, return to channel button is something a little more interesting. So, Keegan, you said your favorite quote was. Larry Bird saying that was Jesus and sneakers. Caleb, did you have a favorite quote from the first two episodes? Um, 
I don't remember quotes that much. Well, I'll give you no, mine. I mean, the Larry what do you think? The Larry Bird was a good one. Um, and I can't... I, oh, Roy Williams, the, the assistant coach at North Carolina when Jordan was there. Now he's the head coach, I think. When he said, um, Michael Jordan is the only player I've ever seen be able to turn it on and turn it off. And he never freaking turned it off. Oh, that, that was, was a great quote. Yeah, that was good. Because that, that was, was really good. yeah, that just encapsulated what you were saying earlier about this guy. He just wanted to win. Yeah, and and he was gonna do whatever it took to win. Well, he isn't. Because uh, as we were watching it, I at one point I turned to Drew and go, "Was there any ever a time that he?" Uh, like, had a bad game or, like, had an off game. And about 15 seconds later, guess what? <laughs> Ahmad Rashad comes on and he says um, something to the extent. I don't. Do you know what the exact quote is? It's. Yeah, he says, you know, Mike was the type of guy that was going to play every game. Kids knew when, they, when the Bulls came to town, they were going to get to see Michael. And. It wasn't like, and when Michael came to town, there weren't games where he was going to give you a, you know, a twelve-point game. Nope, not going to happen. Addressed, full on. Yeah, um, which that line also feels like a very pointed shot at modern basketball, modern NBA. Where players, Drew's giving me the continue finger here, so. Yeah, didn't. Uh, uh, but it seems like a lot. P- p- uh, lots of players sat out this past. A lot of the like. Uh, Everyone's really sitting out right now. It's really lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the past three four years, load management, load management, quote unquote, has has sort of become the virus in the NBA. Have they? Is, do they have more games now though than they did no. back then? No, same amount. It's interesting. Well, and Jordan was like, he had to force them to let him play on. Uh, wasn't that story after nuts? after his foot was broken? I guess. I guess it wasn't. It had yeah. healed. It had healed. Right? Yeah, he sat like, out like basically the whole season that year because he broke his foot. Oh really? Till that till the end, like toward the end of the season. Oh wow. And then the it was weird, the seven minute thing they did was weird where he could only play like seven minutes. Um, for and the he's game. over there on the bench, just pissed off because they're they're benching him because his seven minutes is up. And Let me ask you this, Drew, because the the doc I was unclear about something. They said that when the seven minutes was up. He would. They would just blow the whistle, and he would be taken out. So like everyone was on board with this. No, no, no. The coach would call a timeout. At seven. At seven minutes, and that's why they blow the whistle. Well, because because they have they have that moment where he's like shooting a shot, right? And then you hear the whistle blowing, and then he goes to sit on the bench. Yeah, I think it's because the coach called a timeout to get him out of the game. While he's mid shot, the coach calls the timeout. Oh, I guess I don't remember that scene. That, oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Was, to me, is what it seemed like they were saying, is that even if he's in the middle of a shot, 
It's a harsh seven minutes. They yeah. don't. They don't want the points. They want him it's on the bench. Not seven oh one. Is not six fifty nine. I mean, I appreciate sort of that. Um, I like discipline. along with that Jordan. How Jordan's mentality, either consciously or subconsciously, infiltrated the team because he couldn't play the last fourteen seconds of that uh, game against. Who was it against? I don't remember, but it would Golden ad- State. Golden State, and it would advance them to the next part of the finals. But the coach, which was not Phil Jackson, it was the coach prior to Phil Jackson, it was someone else saying, "Sorry, I can't. I can't let you play. I'll lose my job." And Jordan's like, "It's just 14 seconds. It's the end of the game. They're down by one point. You're not gonna get in trouble." <laughs> They're down by one point, and there's like rumors of if we lose this game, we can have a better draft for mm. the next season. And Jordan just hates. He's like, "No, we're we're going, we're gonna go to the playoffs," but he can't play. He's out for the last 14 seconds. But I feel like that energy of like it infiltrated everyone to the point where that guy. I can't remember who it is. Paxson. Paxson, like, throws up kind of a crappy shot and <laughs> makes it, and then they wind up going to the next <laughs> round in the series. And I just feel like that's just that Jordan's energy just transferring over to team teammates. To Elmer Fudd and to, <laughs> <laughs> you've gotta, to Granny. You've got to think that Jordan thinks that uh, the analytics game is a joke right now but everything's so analytics he's got to think that like thank god i didn't play in this era where maybe everything's analytics. the irony to that is um there is this basketball analytics guru named uh, kirk goldsberry and he showed jordan's uh statistics for the mid-range and he was just like i think he might have been the greatest of all time to shoot Mm. Anywhere inside the three-point line, basically he's not going to miss. Mm. Anywhere. Wow. It's just like he shot like 50%. So he was actually an anal- minus the three-pointer, which he really never shot that much. He was an analytics like dream. No, I don't. He was just so efficient. I don't, I don't mean like looking at stats and stuff. I mean the way the game is played now. It's not, it seems like they don't play to win the the, oh, the present yeah. game. They're, yeah. they're always playing to yeah. win some other game. I see what you're... It's the long it's, ball. It's, it's like, either, how can we yeah. be... How can we maximize our our future potential versus how right. can we win, win this game right now? Because yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. okay, well, we should just tank and maybe we'll get the number one seed. Is that what you're talking about? Stuff like that. Yeah, let's, yeah, right. Let's lose these games on purpose to possibly get a number one seed. We're so sitting we, people. Yeah, yeah. Or, or let's load manage so people aren't injured in the playoffs, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, that makes sense. The load ma- here. The thing about load management, I think, is it's sort of it's a double edged sword because. Scientifically, yeah, it's probably better to load manage your players, yeah. right? That mm-hmm. it makes sense. It makes sense that they need the rest for longevity. But I think the other side of that is if if you're going to be a player that does that, you're simultaneously diminishing the chances of you being legendary. 
Like, you're just not going to have the same opportunities to do things where people are just awestruck by you. Um, because you won't ever be able to say things like you're an Iron Man, you know. You, you, played, the, you played nine straight years and never missed a game and, um, you know, those sort of things i think it just limits your legendary your ability to become legendary yeah but maybe it gives you a better quality of life who knows that's true um it's hard it's hard to say i guess that's what the players have to decide yeah and not me i would be interesting to see how many times like load management has actually paid off i don't know like if there's any correlating statistics between that and and it is some sort of success, you know. I'll tell you what will make sure that you are not legendary is if you're flopping and drawing fouls. Yeah, you that's, will not be a legend at all. Yeah, that stuff is just bush league. So get out of here with that. <laughs> bye bye. Now, Caleb, you don't draw fouls. You're more of a duck man. The other types of birds in your sketch pad? Pigeons? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have any other thoughts on the last two? I, I had another thought, and I all this foul business got me <laughs> thinking of other things that I got to do tomorrow. Um, Some about some about Jordan. I, I I like that Ahmad took that shot at the modern day NBA. Like, yeah. Um, and we've talked about this before, I think, but I like multiple times I've gone to NBA games and didn't see the players I wanted to see because they're mm. sitting out, and it's it's bad for yeah. Bases. It's kind of it's well, that's why. And they the wonder why. Are going yeah, I was down. gonna say they wonder why ratings are dying. You guys keep putting on all this. Again, it's just all these. Like extra, I, what's the word you would even use? I don't know. It just, it really diminishes the product you're putting out. Yeah. This is, see, here's the thing I like about Jordan, though, from the documentary, the, or the impression I get from the documentary, um, is that he's not, cons- it doesn't seem like he's concerned with any of that, whether it's like analytics or getting more viewership or. Um, like, well, just those the two. money, the revenue. Yeah. It seems like all he wants to do is win the game. That he wants to do his his best at the present moment he finds himself in. Um, which, uh, that I think that's what I liked about his like perspective. Mm-hmm. he's just like fully he's just completely focused on winning the game at hand and not all of these ancillary yeah sort of games and because of that you see this positive correlation of because that's all he cares about all the other stuff comes with it mm. the revenue the popularity the ratings you know versus them trying to reverse engineer yeah. it you get the, the other way around <laughs> you kind of get the sense that he didn't care for the popularity the the league is definitely putting the uh, wagon before the horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Can you expand on that? The they're definitely putting the uh, Grant before the Horus. <laughs> and just to to cap that off, there's never been an NBA game with more viewership than that 1998 Game Six. Mm, preach mm. before or, or after. On. That's a, uh, I apologized. That's a spoiler for me. Um, I'm sure it's a spoiler for anybody who was not watching that season. Uh, well, if, if you listen to what episode. I just said, everyone was watching that season. That's why the <laughs> well, not I if you I watched born. that game. So I was there. Not if you were. Oh, uh, uh, we did. We 100 percent watched that yeah, game. I, I remember, remember watching. Show. But did you know that that many people were watching that game? Well, this is my point. I just remember Ian making sure that the TV was on that game, and that was it. Like there was, it wasn't a, a debate at all. You know what I remember is. I wasn't watching that game because I was in the basement playing with my new Digitech guitar effects pedal. (laughs) 50 uh, presets, plus I could customize some of the distortion and delay, reverb. Kev, who's the Michael Jordan of guitar? Joe Satriani. Mm. The Michael Jordan (laughs) of skateboarding is Rodney Mullen. Mm. Who is... I mean, Hendrix probably is the... That is actually the... Michael Jordan of guitar. Yeah, that's the best thing about Michael Jordan is you can uh, so always say who is the Michael Jordan of blank, but no one ever uses any other sports person. Yeah, name. yeah, he's he's the apex, and the guy, yeah. the, one of the reporters on there said that he said, "What did he say?" His quote was, "I think Michael Jordan was the best at." was better at his job than anyone has ever been at their job that they've mm. had. Mm. Yeah, but had he hadn't read the know. Bible, right? Uh, he is an atheist. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you can't... Yeah, everyone uses... Oh, I, he's the MJ of blank. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, talk about permeating the culture forever. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, it was a great documentary. I can't wait to see the next episode is about my favorite player during that era. Mr. Worm. Mr. Worm. <laughs> Mr. D.R. Worm. That's Dr. Worm. Tennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. Keegan, do we have anything else for the pod? Oh, I had one more thought. Caleb. About the documentary. Uh, Scotty Pippen's story. Um, very sad. I think he was when he said he he took that long deal, um, and he took it so that he could make sure that his family was would be okay for that long. I thought that was very uh, noble, and I felt so bad when to find out that the, uh, the management didn't renew uh renew his deal after the NBA had like the ratings went up and everything. Mm-hmm. That very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, and he was the number 2 player of the league. Yeah. Again though, I mean I I agree with you. They should have renegotiated and and given him a bump. They but more than enough. Money. Again, that's like a t- another two-sided thing where well, first of all, I want to 
I that owner's he's full of BS. When he said I told um, I told Scotty that oh, you shouldn't yeah, sign the deal. No, yeah, no, yeah, no way. Owners yeah. don't tell their yeah, they want yeah. the discount because right. they don't want to pay the money. That right. is some he really tried to paint himself as this angelic yeah. uh, being and that was just some BS. Yeah. But the two sides of that is like um, you know, it sucked for Pippen and they should have renegotiated it. But think about the reverse side of that as the owner or the GM. If Scottie Pippen would have got injured, um, he they couldn't have gone to Scottie and said, Hey, look, Scottie, you know, you're injured, you're not gonna be able to play for a year and a half or whatever. We're gonna we're gonna have to not give you as much money as we promised. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, nope, you're giving me all the money that's in my contract, that's even right. though I'm not playing. Yeah. So, you know. But that's too. That I think that's apples and oranges because you're comparing a corporation to a single person. No, it's just a contract. It has nothing to do. It's just what's yeah, in but, writing. But the contract is a single person with a corporation. Like corporations should take care of their people. And that's what I'm saying. They would. They would have to pay him yeah. the full contract, even though he's yeah, not but what I'm saying giving they, them anything. They didn't take care of him when they didn't renegotiate. Well, they honored their contract, though. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the two sides of it. He, Scotty wouldn't do that to them, so yeah, but them they, honoring yeah. the contract is sort of like but that's, that's what, what they're going to do. That's, that's what I'm saying is that <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a person and a corporation... You can't you can't comp- you can't compare like the monetary like negotiation, like if if everybody in the corporation is getting more money but one person isn't because of of a contract, that's pretty messed up I think. But it's not one person; it's all their players. They didn't. They. It's not like they gave anyone else more money and just left Scotty out. They paid Dennis what they said they'd pay him. They paid Ron Harper what they said they'd pay him. They paid Steve Kerr what they said they'd pay right, him. Right, but pr- presumably those guys made had better deals, right? Yeah, I like, think I they said know. they were making like three or four million, and Scott Scotty was making two something million. Yeah, I don't, I, I guess like Jordan was the only one making just yeah, an exponentially yeah. larger amount than everyone else. I just, I just don't. I guess I think corporations, sh- if they see a contract is bad, they should fix it. Mm. <laughs> like otherwise, you that's that's uh, to me that's tantamount to stealing. Well, it's not stealing. They're honoring the contract that they signed. If anything, it's on their his agent for getting him into a. You know, like not helping him get a better deal. Yeah, but if so, if you sign some contract that puts you in a in a shitty position, okay, and we don't cuss on this. And the, and, <laughs> and the person you signed the contract with, you had the ability to change the contract to get you out of that uh, shitty position. Or I mean, and his position wasn't so shitty. I mean, he made a lot of money. Well, but. I I agreed with you at the beginning. They should have renegotiated. That's not what I'm saying. But it, I mean, it's not a shitty 
position. He's making he's making two some million dollars in yeah. 1997. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of money. So he's, I mean, he's still doing fine. But I'm just saying, devil's advocate. If the roles were flipped, Scotty wouldn't say, "Yeah, give me a discount because I'm not contributing." He'd say, "You're gonna cash those checks." So I see why on the other side they're like, "Well, you signed this contract, so we don't want to renegotiate. Like this, this is what we're gonna pay you because you agreed to it." Yeah. I feel like but, you guys are kind of going in circles yeah. here. Uh, yeah, I, see I just what I, you both are saying, yeah. but. Continue. Oh, to piggyback on that thought, here's the other crazy thing about how their ownership was just not very good at all. To your point, Caleb, the fact that they were gonna get rid of Phil Jackson, which Michael Jordan said that's the only coach he'll ever play for. Michael Jordan's still in his prime; he's not like washed up yet. They also said that we thought all the talent had reached their apex and they wouldn't be good anymore. Scottie Pippen played for six more years in the NBA after that. Uh, Steve Kerr went on to win a title with the Spurs. Ron Harper went on to win a title with uh, Kobe and Shaq in L.A. Phil Jackson was the coach of those teams that won a title. So, like, what is this management thinking that this, this dynasty is over and clearly these guys are still in their prime and they had just won a title? Like, what a bunch of morons. To your point, Caleb. Moron Mountain. My guess is it sounds like they, uh, at least the one guy was bullied a bunch. He probably just wanted to get rid of the guys so that he wouldn't be bullied all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that's probably more of what it was, right? He was look, His that excuse was they were washed up when really it's, I just can't be around these guys yeah, anymore. But he wouldn't have been me he wouldn't, so uh, bad. He wouldn't have been bullied if he had, um, like he was uh, alienating them. Yeah, if he had treated them better. Yeah, yeah. That I thought, and then the owner, all the owner owners' interviews, he just was like washing himself of it. And I thought, dude, you own yeah. this team. You have the final say in whatever's yeah. going on. You could have fired Kraus. You could have forced him to renegotiate that contract. You could have told him, nope, Phil Jackson's going to stay the head coach. You know what I mean? Like, He's acting like he had zero power, and he's just sort of helpless to well, it whatever was happened. It so happened. weird when he talked about how he hired uh, Kraus, because it sounds like he didn't even want him there. Yeah. And then he's just like, but this guy just agrees with whatever I say, so okay. We'll bring him in. It was weird. <laughs> it was. It was. They like built it up. It's so weird how they built it up to be like this. Nobody like this guy. He was like tough to be around. Um, and then oh, but then I just decided to hire him, and that that was it. It's <laughs> like what? Um, he's unlikable. He alienates people. Nobody likes him around. And I thought, okay, yeah, I guess that's what I'm looking for. I'll yeah. hire him. Yeah. I mean, they did say a lot of nice things about the guy. Um, too, but it was just th- that whole sequence of, of scenes was very bizarre. So that was the other weird thing, right? So he proved that he could be both of these things. He could be a, an amazing GM because he did put this team together, right? He mm-hmm. found talent. He found Scotty. He traded 
for Kerr and Rodman, and he got Kukoc and all this. And simultaneously, he's a terrible GM because he decided, oh, I'm going to destroy all of this. <laughs> So I built the greatest team of all time, and I think I'm I'm think I'm just gonna you blow know, it up. It's, it's that death Set it on fire. It's like yeah. how he just holds this duality that's the, so bizarre. Reflective of all of our inner psyches. Yeah, there's uh, we can create these wonderful you know, selves and also these destructive selves. I want to say we've mentioned Lacan here. Let's mention <laughs> Freud. Uh, Freud has the idea of the death drive, which is uh, we're all self-destructive. We're all finding ways to undercut um, the things we want, uh, the success we're trying to gain. Um, And the reason we do that is because deep down we know. I'm going to bring it full circle. It's the death drive is when we're trying to get the lost object and we're about to get it, but we undercut ourselves. And the reason we do this is because we know if we get the lost object, it won't fulfill us. Mm. That's the death trap. At least as I understand it. Okay? Very good. Noble. (laughs) You remember Ian having that poster in the basement? You could win a Noble Peace Prize. Looking for the Noble Peace Prize. Gosh, Ian had some cool posters. He had Who's that Ian? one. <laughs> he had the wings. He was on one. this podcast, right? <laughs> you remember he had the Jordan life size Jordan where you measure your height poster? Yeah, I loved that. None of us ever measured up, did we? <laughs> no. And that's why we lower the rim. Uh, it was six feet six tall. <laughs> and we were all smaller than that. But this podcast, this episode's had a lot. It's had arguments. It's had dull moments. <laughs> it's mostly been dull, a series of dull moments. Uh, it's had a lot of edits. We will yeah, not do. We are going to upload it fully, full. <laughs> uh, anyway, no one's you guys have any any uh, final thoughts for the before the. We end this podcast. Um, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We're gonna raise that um, rim back to real quick. If I could just interject, I just want your guys' me- mental exercise of this. If if Jordan is Jesus in sneakers, please list who the other players would be. Scotty is Peter. Oh, yeah. The Rock. I don't know all the... um... Well, let's just... I'll name some and you tell me who they are. Who would um, Dennis Rodman be? Wait, are we talking disciples? I don't know. Yeah, just in that that world, in that frame of if if Jordan is Jesus. You know, like when you're taking the SAT and you say... (sighs) I'm going to say... Bread is to sandwich as... I'm going to say Bird got it wrong. Jordan is God... Scotty Pippen is Jesus, and Rodman is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that is the Trinity that wins a three-peat. And, uh, Twice. Kerr must be Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the worship leader he's in this scenario. Um, who would Phil Jackson be? <gasps> Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, alright. Well, and that's the episode. Hope you enjoy it, and we will catch you after the Worms episode next week on Lowering the Rim. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lowering the Rim. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lowering the Rim, and feel free to email us your fan questions, loweringtherim at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.